You're listening to The Fruition Podcast, the home of eBay, Amazon, and e-commerce design and optimization. For more information, visit fruition.com. Hello and welcome to episode number two of The Fruition Podcast. My name is John Hayes, and today I'll be continuing my conversations with people I look up to in the world of e-commerce and online marketing. I'm joined today by my old friend and colleague, Hank, who I know from my days at iContact Email Marketing. Hank's a prolific author, content marketeer, and public speaker. So, Hank, welcome to the show. Wow, that's like one of the best introductions I've had in a long time. Number one, to hear the words you look up to, someone you look up to come out of your mouth and, and, and that being me on the other side of the microphone here. And then this is episode number two. I, I'm honored to be here. And uh, it's just great to talk about marketing, email marketing, digital marketing in general. And, uh, you know, we've known each other for a very long time. And it's always great to reach across the pond and talk to each other. For those listening who you know, don't know who you are, yeah, perhaps you could introduce yourself um, a, a little bit more. Right. Well, my name is Hank Hoffmeyer. It is a unique name with a unique spelling. So if you Google me, I take up the first two pages of Google. I have the best SEO in the world when it comes to name recognition. So you can find me everywhere if you want to connect with me. Uh, the only aspect here is on LinkedIn. Um, just shoot me a personalized note because I tend to not really connect with people that send me a blind invite. It's just a weird rule I have. I work for iContact, an email marketing platform. Uh, they've been around for almost 20 years. Actually, next year, we're celebrating 20 years. And as a marketer, that's scary because I need to prepare for that celebration. Uh, we're starting now because we want to go all out. 20 years is a long time to be in business. I have moved around within the iContact realm, uh, anywhere from sales to service and now on the marketing team. But I've always been a brand evangelist for iContact, speaking at conferences, doing webinars and workshops. And most importantly, supporting small business in their growth with uh, digital marketing, helping them understand email marketing, how social media, maybe pay-per-click and SEO tie into email marketing. And it's just been a great journey at iContact. I'm also on the board for the American Marketing Association Triangle Chapter, which is my local chapter. I'm going to be the incoming president in July. It's going to be a great time. I have a great board that's going to help me really help local marketers in our area thrive, find jobs and network. It's going to be a really exciting year for me with eye contact as well as with the AMA. And yeah, hit me up if you ever want to talk about marketing, anybody that's listening. So eye contact, 20 years, um, that's a crazy amount of time for an online brand. And I think especially when we're talking to small and medium-sized business owners. There's a great story behind Eye Contact. It was started in a small room above a sandwich shop in downtown Raleigh and really, really scaled. It's been acquired um, several times now and the company itself recently acquired Moz. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, Moz is uh, pretty much SEO. If you haven't heard of Moz, they are well respected uh, in their industry. And I've always known about them and uh, always followed what they do. Love their whiteboard Fridays, you know, doing the videos. And I've always known about SEO and I know enough to be dangerous is what I would say. I can work with small companies that have, you know, a small website and not a lot of SEO to do. Uh, but it was great to actually get access to the platform, look around and say, oh, my God, I didn't know this or, hey, I didn't know how important this was. They have a lot of great education uh, through their platform. They have a community so you can talk to other marketers around digital marketing and SEO. They're very helpful. And like I said, the tools 
they're awesome. They do have free tools. So if you're a small business owner and you're looking to do better with your SEO, definitely use the free tools. And if you want to kick it up a notch, the, the paid tools are really awesome and they really help you dive in deep and really just, I, I, I guess I would say, blow out your competitors because SEO is important. I think that small business owners would say, yeah, SEO helps me get found on Google, but they don't really know the importance of having, whether it's on-page SEO, off-page SEO, links to your website, it's still relevant, still important. That coupled with pay-per-click advertising, a brand can be deadly and they can just really grow, be successful. So don't underestimate SEO. And, and Moz is a great tool. There, there's so many tools out there, but Moz is one to consider. Email marketing's obviously been around for a long time. The people that try it love it, but I think it can also be quite undervalued by a lot of people. I meet retailers particularly who say it's on the top of their list um, to do, um, but never get around to it. Why, why do you think that is? It's funny you mentioned that. There's a talk that I developed pretty recently. I've done it once so far, and I'm probably going to do it some more at different conferences. But you know, the, the premise is, sure, you have SEO, you use pay-per-click, you're, you're bringing eyeballs to your website, but what are you doing with those eyeballs? And the crux of the presentation is you need to get them on an email list. Number one, you own that list. In other words, if you start getting people to follow you on social media or just drive traffic to your website, number one, if you drive them to your website and they don't convert, they don't fill out a form, they don't sign up for an email, you don't even know who they are at that point. You can, sure, you can target them with ads because of cookies, which are going away, by the way. And you probably don't want to get into that because that's probably a whole nother episode. Then, you know, social media, what if your account gets deleted? What if it gets banned, right? From Facebook, from Twitter, from wherever. You don't own that audience. With email marketing, pretty much you own that audience and it's portable. You can move from provider to provider or you can do other things with that list. And more importantly, email marketing is a personal communication tool. In other words, you could send an email to 10,000 people, but yet make it feel like it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Sure, most people realize it's being sent in bulk, but it still feels good to have content that matters to you, that's kind of personalized. And I don't know about you, John, but anytime somebody mentions my name, you know, I turn my head. Same thing with emails, like being greeted by your first name just feels good rather than just a random tweet of, hey, we have a sale 20% off today. You know? Hey, John, we have those amazing sneakers you've been looking at on our website for the last three weeks on sale 30% off, plus we'll give you free shipping. That's something you can do with email marketing. And if you're not doing it, you need to start doing it. Sure, it takes time, but the return on your efforts there uh, are going to be great because I, I know historically we've always talked, you and I have always talked about the ROI of email marketing. For every dollar you spend, you should get $42 back. I, I don't think we should keep saying that. That should be known. It should be ROE, return on engagement. You're going to get a better return through the content you're creating in email than just throwing out social media posts and Doing SEO or PPC where maybe you don't know exactly what you're doing and you're spending $14, $20, $50 on a lead and they're not converting. It's interesting what you're saying there about um, you're playing in somebody else's your backyard. You know, uh, if you're on social media or you're on any of these channels, yeah, you are essentially playing in somebody else's backyard and you know, the ball can be taken off you. Whereas email marketing, you, you own that relationship. And I think we see a, a lot of that problem in um, eBay and Amazon as well. A lot of businesses, you know, they, they start on eBay and then maybe move to Amazon. And it's a lot of hard work. But they don't own those customer relationships. So that's why we always encourage them to move 
onto your platforms like big commerce um, or Shopify so they can retain those relationships. I guess one of the biggest problems when you're operating your own store, your big commerce store or your Shopify store is, is generating traffic into that business. And I guess that's where the whole SEO thing through Moz and the whole email marketing thing comes in. Now you mentioned, you know, you want to send out personal messages. You want to send the right message to the right person at the right time. Email marketing certainly isn't the blunt marketing tool it used to be, you know, used to email thousands, 10,000 people on your list. Now it's much more laser focused. Could you, could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, you know, with data that you can get from whatever platforms you have, whether it's a CRM form on your website, preference center, any other tools you're using surveys, you have the ability to segment or create a filtered view of your list. In other words, I have an event in Raleigh, North Carolina. I might not, you know, and it's happening tomorrow. It might not be worth me sending an email to everybody in the United States or somebody in California. They're probably not going to spend, I wonder how much that plane ticket costs right now, but yeah, they're not going to fly from California to North Carolina for an event tomorrow, just because I told them about it today, where with the data, I can create a segment of people that only live in North Carolina so I could target them and then use the data too. If you have first name, you know, other information like birthday, you can send triggered or targeted emails. You can personalize the emails with the data you have, location, uh, you can use first name, products they've bought, how much they've spent, points. If there's reward points, you can include them in there to kind of gamify, hey, you only have 43 points, you need to get to 100 for this reward. Uh, so then you can use automation to, to take a look at this. If this data equals this, then send this email or update this list then you can use the timing as well. When this happens, when they buy something, trigger this, or if they have not bought something in six months, let's go ahead and send them a special offer so that they convert more. It used to be back when I contact started, it would be, you have a list, you create a monthly newsletter weekly if you're retail, maybe you send it out to the whole list and you just hope for people to go to your website and buy something. Or if you're a consultant, sign up to, you know, have a consultation or whatever. I always tend to leave out like all different industries. I'm always talking about retail, right? But yeah, it works for services too as well. But things have evolved with, with data, the availability of data, with the availability of tools like landing pages, segmentation, automation, a whole bunch of different things coupled together you're going to be able to put a comprehensive email marketing campaign together that can be automated, but you got to be careful with that. It's not, it's not set it and forget it. I know when, when automation came out, a lot of marketers started saying, set it, forget it. It's set it, use it, measure it, adapt it, I guess is how I would say that. Take a look at what's going on with the adaptation of iOS 15. The open rates are not as accurate as they used to be. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but basically what Apple's doing is if you have an iPhone, which I have right here, and you use the built-in email app, and you can use it for Gmail, Yahoo, whatever, it doesn't have to be an Apple email, it counts as an open whether or not I unlocked my phone or even looked at my email, meaning it's a false open. Therefore, that can affect what you're doing with your email marketing campaigns. That's why you need to have valuable content, and you need to make sure that you're always preparing for the future. In other words, if you're doing list hygiene, looking at people who haven't opened an email in six months or a year, and you're doing something special to see if you can get them back or win them back, maybe now you need to move to clicks instead of open because clicks, you could still measure. And that's why with list hygiene, if you're looking to clean up people who haven't opened or clicked in a while, do it with clicks. 
people who have not opened and have not clicked in the last six months, start an automation series of, hey, we miss you, first email, here's a coupon code. Second one would be, are we breaking up, question mark. And the last one is, here's the divorce papers. Uh, I always just love that example because you should be removing people that are not engaged because that helps make sure your emails get delivered to the inbox. That's interesting. I've, I've always thought of an open rate as, as a vanity metric, really. I mean, it doesn't really count for anything if people aren't engaging with the email. And I've always told my clients, you know, you really want to get them out of the inbox and onto your website uh, as quickly as possible because you can really start tracking the engagement once they're onto that website. And also you want to be looking at the, you know, the return on investment or the return on engagement, as you, as you say, uh, as well. And at the end of the day, it's all about money in the bank. Are those customers spending money with you? Now, email marketing used to be a very, very simple tool. Anybody could put together email newsletter. How much more complicated is it now we've got things like marketing automation? I mean, the technology doesn't really look like the technology used to be. Do you mean, is it more difficult to do all these things? Yeah. But before we do, you you mentioned something, you know, looking at vanity metrics. A lot for for the longest time, marketers look at open rates, right? What is my open rate? Now is their North Star. I like to say, don't look at your North Star. You need to have a constellation. You need to look at your opens, your clicks. And more importantly, you just said it a minute ago, your conversions. In other words, if I'm sending you an email once a week and you don't open for two months, but then you spend $1,000 when my average sale price is 30, that's okay with me. You're converting, right? It's the people that are not converting all, that all at all are the ones that are bothering me. And then you have tools like automation, like segmentation, landing pages that can help drive more conversions or more brand visibility in the beginning And yes, it is easy to use because as we've been progressing, tools are easier to use. When email marketing first started out, you had to know HTML. You had to know how to code. And now everything's drag and drop. I'm going to take this block, put it over here, and I'm going to customize it. Same thing with websites. You used to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get a website built. Now you can spin up WordPress, Wix, Weebly, drag and drop your way to an awesome looking website or just use the templates that are available. Same thing with email marketing, definitely with eye contact. We have hundreds of templates to start from, choose from, or just use as is so that you can get started or maybe you're busy and you just need to get something done. You could save custom templates and with automation, it's just as easy. You know, you're using the emails in the automation and then you're just making decisions along the way. Most landing page editors now are drag and drop. The tools are getting easier to use they're getting cheaper and understandable by small businesses. I really love how technology is empowering small businesses to do what they need to do without having to spend thousands of dollars or work with someone that is going to overcharge them. Sure. It's interesting because in the, the first episode we recorded um, last week with um, Dave Furness from eSeller365, he was talking about how he was trying to build tutorial um, to you know, build Shopify stores, and he realized it's so simple. Anybody can do it now, and it's exactly the same you know, with big commerce. And we certainly saw at the start of the COVID pandemic, traditional bricks and mortar retailers, they were forced online, if you like. They'd been talking about it for years, but then they suddenly realized nobody's coming to the store anymore. We're not even allowed to open. Our yeah. only route for markets is online. And they were able to open 
BigCommerce or Shopify or 101 other um, different e-commerce platform stores in a matter of, of hours. And certainly at fruition, we're seeing these customers coming to us now and saying, you know, this was great, but we want to formulize that a little bit better. We want to customize that a little bit more. We want to get a little bit smarter. You know, we can take these businesses and really help them scale online and, you know, email marketing, social media marketing and content marketing is all part of that story, particularly if you work in uh, a particular niche, because people want to buy off people who understand the products. They want to buy off experts. And you, like me, you're, you're a prolific publisher of, of content about email marketing, social media marketing, and small business in general. A lot of people are scared to produce that content. They're scared of the reactions that um, people might give to that content. They, they worry that they'll produce that content and people will say, well, you know, why should I trust this person? I think there's a lot of fear behind producing content. How do you overcome that fear? Well, first thing is you need to make sure you're developing the right content because the worst thing is you get the courage to start creating content. You create the wrong content and then it discourages you because of either lack of engagement or people criticizing what you're doing. But the thing is, hardly anybody's going to criticize you unless you hit a nerve. In other words, if I'm selling sneakers to shoe fanatics and I'm talking about boots, right, I'm probably going to get some flack there. But if I'm just I'm talking about sneakers and I'm creating content, if it's a grainy video with horrible audio, but it's the most awesome shoe you've ever seen in your life, that doesn't matter. Most of the stuff you put out, it's not going to say it's going to be ignored, but it gets absorbed, I guess. And most people don't engage with it. But there is a core group of people on the internet, you know, that go to Reddit and they're just voracious about getting involved in conversation and people that like everything on Facebook and retweet anything they see without really contextualizing it. But there's always going to be people that you develop a relationship with and they follow you and they really hone in on what you're doing. And then others where it just creates brand awareness, especially like ads. I think ads on Instagram and on TikTok, if you're not on TikTok, folks, you need to get on TikTok. Every industry is on there now. It used to be just for you know smaller kids and teens, but now there's business, there's lawyers on there, there's doctors on there, there's chiropractors. You know, some of them are hilarious, some of them are serious. And they're doing very well because the algorithm right now on TikTok is so favorable. You need to be there. But I can't tell you how many products I've bought off of Instagram because of the ads. And some of the content created in those ads were so basic. It's, they didn't spend thousands or millions of dollars on an ad from like Nike or Taco Bell would do. They just recorded a video of their product and service and somebody using it and they bought it. Um, I, like I said, I've bought off of Instagram ads, but you need to create content consistently, mostly for brand recognition so that people know who you are, know what your voice is, know what your personality is. And more importantly, what do you do? What do you offer? Because theoretically, if you just use the platforms, yeah, of course, not everybody's going to see it, but there's that historical value. Somebody may actually stumble upon you, go to your website click on the little Facebook icon and go and look at what you've been posting. Not what did you post today? Cause it got thrown into your feed, but what have you been posting? I speak to people all the time and they say, I just don't get TikTok. And that's kind of crazy because it's just content. You know, you either use it to entertain or to inform or both, you know, why can't information be entertaining? And I know you've got a, a phrase that you, you use for that. Remind me what that is again. Yeah, you, you, I'm a, I call myself the info, infotainer because I make marketing fun and successful. 
<laughs> exactly. There's no, you know, it, it's not just about pitching. It's about informing. It's about entertaining. It's about keeping people happy. I remember this is a this is a story that's a, it's a little freaky, right? A, a guy that was on LinkedIn and he would post his blog, and there's what's called a feature image, right? It's what shows up at the top, and it's what gets posted on social media when you put the link into, say, Facebook or LinkedIn when you post. It was his picture, his headshot. So every time he would post, it'd be a blog post, but it'd be his picture. So if you went to his LinkedIn and looked at his feed, it was like you were stalking me. Every time I scroll, it was just him looking at me. And I told him about that. And at first he didn't agree with me. Then we decided to put more relevant images related to the post, the content. And he immediately saw more engagement and some conversions. He sells insurance. Um, he thought by having his picture there, it was gonna build trust because they'll see my face, they'll know who I am, they'll trust me and build a relationship. But he didn't understand the stalkiness factor of it. And once I showed him a screenshot of it, he's like, yeah, now I get it. Um, and then we built you know, an author bio at the bottom so people still can learn about him, who he is, and here's his picture, which he still wanted. It's kind of like a dripping tap, really. I always refer to the Pareto principle. 20% of your content will deliver 80% of your business, which means 80% of your content will largely be ignored. But that doesn't mean it's not valuable. If the right person lands on the right content at the right time, they will be engaged. So it's kind of that dripping tap, you know, eventually it will fill the sink. And I think a lot of people get disenfranchised with producing content because their initial efforts don't count for anything. They get a handful of views and very little engagement. But it takes a while to build up that repository of, of expertise and to, to build up that audience. And the most successful people never, ever stop. And if you consider the investment in, in time and money and what you're putting into content marketing, yeah, most of it can be done on a, on a mobile phone now. There's very little um, investment. This podcast, for example, is being recorded you're over Zoom on, on mobile devices. Very, very simple. We're taking an hour out of our day or take another couple of hours to edit it you know, in, in the week. If I consider how much it costs to run a paid search campaign for the phrase you know, eBay or Amazon or big commerce or, or Shopify, you know, we're talking one or two clicks you know, to cover the investment in, in, in time and effort. And the other thing as well is hopefully these conversations solve problems and all marketing like all great businesses should solve problems yeah you're not actively selling to people you're solving their problems and when you solve somebody's problems they will give you their money yeah tiktok instagram twitter youtube yeah youtube is the second largest search engine don't sleep on that either you need to, like you said solve a problem get on camera talk about how your product or service solves a problem we have content uh, fruition which brings traffic in every single day and it was written years ago now we go into it every now and again and we refresh it and we update it and we optimize it because as you say you don't just you know set it and, and leave it and walk away but that content continues to work for us 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year and the more good quality content you churn out you know the more chance people find it and and they'll want to work with you because yeah. they get to know you and they get to trust you i was at the um, internet retailing expo in in birmingham uh, a couple of weeks ago and a man came up to me and said hey you're famous on my phone and um you know, i didn't know <laughs> whether to run away or to, you know, or to stay around but we've, we've had some great conversations yeah since then all about how 
our company can help him solve his problems. And yeah, that's what it's all about. Marketing isn't about you. It's about your clients. And whatever you do, whether you're selling shoes or whether you're selling travel or whether you're selling email marketing software, it's all about how you can solve problems for your customers. I guess platforms like BigCommerce and, and, and Shopify, they've kind of followed the um, email marketing companies and the, um, the software as a service type companies in making everything just so much more accessible. And you know, people can put their products up online. People can do their SEO, they can write their blog posts, they can do their social media campaigns and obviously use email to drive people back into it. But, but why do you think so many people still don't engage with email? I think, well, number one, newer folks that start a business, they don't realize that that channel, they know it exists, but they don't know they need to do that. And, you know, that contact, we're trying to drive some more, I guess, what I want to call it, like local initiatives, going out in the bat and educating people around that, like uh, at flea markets and, and uh, farmers markets and let them know the power of that. Um, there's a gentleman we met with, uh, he uh, owns Zapples. It's a apple chip company. He makes fresh apple chips. Okay. And he's always going to farmer's markets. He has labels on his product with QR codes. He's using QR codes. And, you know, he understands the power of email marketing. But when talking to him, you know, he knows that early on he did not. Uh, therefore, there's a lot of education to be had around email marketing. And even brands that have a big budget and have been using it, maybe they have not been doing it right or getting the results they want. And it puts a bad taste in your mouth and they kind of move away from that and say, we're, you know what, we're going to do more pay-per-click, we're going to do more Instagram ads, we're going to do YouTube ads, and um, they convert better. Where I think email marketing is like any channel, you need to measure it, you need to test, and you need to iterate. You, need, you can always do better. I think the biggest thing for folks that I used to speak to that come on to contact early on and they were with another provider is they talk about their open rates being low. And I asked, what did they do to ever fix it? And they would hesitate and they would say, nothing, I guess. And then I would talk to them around one, two or three strategies that can immediately help them. And they, they would like ga almost gasp in a way and say, how come I never knew this before? I think that's the problem. Uh, it's almost like going to a casino, you think you're just going to lose your money, right? You're going to put the money on the table and it's just going to go away. It's like, you know, people always say gambling is just donating money to the casinos. Unless you really know what you're doing, you know, if you know how to play poker, you know when to call, you know when to um, double down or whatever, go all in. I'm not a card player, so I don't know all the terms. Uh, you could do a lot better. It's because you're you're informed and you know what needs to be done. Same thing with marketing or email marketing. You need to do the right things. List hygiene, automation, segmentation, personalization. Sounds like a lot, but it, it's kind of easy, actually. It should be part of your marketing plan at least a couple hours a month or a couple hours a week, depending on how often you want to send. And it's something that is really successful. Again, you own that list. You could take a list of people who bought from you, say, spend a lot of money or people who haven't opened your email in a while, and you could target them through Facebook ads. People don't know that. Therefore, there's another way to have a different touch point with that same audience because you know who they are because you have their email address. I would say if you're not really using email marketing effectively or you haven't started using it, you need to look at it. And it's not dying. There's always a rumor email marketing is dying. It's dead. It's it's this is the final nail in a coffin. You know, with iOS 15 with that we mentioned earlier with privacy, people thought it was going to kill email marketing. It hasn't. Now, I think there was a lot of 
ruckus right away. A lot of blog posts started coming out. Everybody was freaking out when it was announced it was coming. But now you hear almost nothing. It's like crickets. But you still need to know that your open rates are not going to be as what do you want to go accurate as they used to be in the past? You just need to measure differently. Use the constellation method rather than your large bar. Yeah, it's great to push stuff out on social media and social media content marketing and email marketing. You know, they should always be done in conjunction with each other. You know, you'll you'll find new customers with social media marketing. You'll find new customers with with paid search, with with blog posts. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, but you'll retain them with, with email marketing. And the great thing about the email inbox is it's, it doesn't go away anywhere unless somebody clears their inbox out every week or month. That email that got sent to you three months ago will, yeah, will still be there and people can seek it out. Maybe not so easy. That's to a find. great point. There's certain brands I actually go into my inbox and Gmail and search for them and go back and say, what was that deal? Or is that coupon still available? There, it's Gmail, especially in Yahoo. Oh, they all have a search engine built in and you can search for emails. So yeah, you know, but the most important thing is just, you know, you don't want to send emails, have them be ignored so that people find them later. You need them to engage every now and then to show these providers like Gmail, all, you know, Yahoo, all of them that you, your emails matter because if they don't, your emails may end up going to spam. Yeah, one of the things that kind of hits home with me, certainly with our eBay and, and, and Amazon clients, is um, we speak to a lot of people and they tell us their sales aren't as good as they used to be. And it's because they're not going in and you're updating their, their listings and optimizing the listings and you know, keeping up with, with, with eBay best practices, um, especially, and it sounds like email marketing is exactly the same. You know, you've got to keep up with those best practices. You can't just send out that weekly or monthly newsletter anymore. It's got to be you know, more relevant, more timely, more engaging. I guess the moral of the story is it's you, you get back what you put in to your, to your marketing output. And I think one of the most dangerous things you can say in business is we've always done it that way. So you've constantly got to educate yourself and you know, look to people like yourself who are out there on social media every day telling people how to, how to fight the, the, the good fight and i think if we look at the the current economy around the world at the moment you know a lot of people are fighting and a lot of people are struggling certainly with the, the cost of living crisis um, in the uk how, how is it over in america is it is it biting over there as well I, I think it is you know i how do i explain this you know with google news you start reading certain articles you read one or two of them you start getting more of the same article so i think I get inundated with certain types of information. I get a lot of articles around inflation, around cost of living, and you know, it's like it's almost like the sky is falling, right? Is is the message I'm getting? I, but I, I, you know, there's something to be said about that. I also think the pandemic not only caused havoc and it caused concern, frustration, companies closed down. It also produced opportunity for some companies or for some companies to start eBay particularly are getting more involved with environmental concerns as well. You know, they're looking at the circular economy. They're looking more at um, your refurbished goods, pre-loved goods, second-hand goods, yeah, for, for want of a better expression. And it's great to see there are opportunities there as well because a small, medium-sized business might not be able to compete with big box stores in every single town. But if, if you can get access to pre-loved items or, you know, those re refurbished items, that's a great opportunity to get your first foot on, on, on the ladder. I think at times when money is tight, 
um, there are always businesses that are born um, out of out of necessity. And I think we saw that a lot in the pandemic as well. You know, the, the food delivery companies came into their own during COVID. You know, e-commerce really stepped up. So going back, you know, 15 years before you started um, in the world of email marketing, what do you know today that you wish you knew when you first started? Get ready to continue learning because with marketing, it's ever-changing with algorithms, with platforms, with uh, platforms being popular. Like when's Facebook going to lose its power? I think that that, that empire is going to crumble soon um, and they need to be careful because uh, other companies like TikTok are starting to eat their lunch, right? And then YouTube, you know, a lot of people are going there to consume content more and more with YouTube shorts and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I just wish I knew what I was getting into because you need to set aside time. If you're a marketer or a business owner, you are a marketer as well. You need to set aside time to learn about what's new, what's different, what's changing, and how can I be doing more and better? Sure. That's interesting what you say. I mean, every brand has has a life cycle. Uh, Pre-internet, maybe a, the life cycle of a brand would be 75 years, 100 years. You know, um, if you think of some of the bigger brands, you know, they've been around forever. But then you look at uh, an internet brand and you're maybe talking 10, 12, 15 right. years. And um, yeah, Facebook's coming to an interesting time. Right. The kids don't use it anymore, you know, and Perhaps you, know, you might say, well, the kids don't have any disposable income. Um, not yet, but in five, 10 years time. Well, that's the generation right now that has the most influence on spending money. Maybe they don't have it, but they get their parents to spend that money. So they're the most influential uh, generation because it's so large right now. Sure. And is that going to be on TikTok? Is it going to be on another channel? You know, what's around the corner? I mean, people say to me all the time, you know, what's the next big thing? And I, I have no idea. If I knew what the next big thing was, I'd, I'd be investing in it now as a, as a, as a, as a startup, and you know, I'd be a multimillionaire in a couple of years' time. But it will come completely out of the blue. And I always refer to things like Uber. You know, if, if somebody said a mobile phone app was going to disrupt the taxi industry a few years ago, people would be like. No, that's crazy. Did you hear that the CEO came out and uh, I don't know if it was leaked or not, but they admitted that they may never be profitable. Yeah, the while we're talking, something came to mind. You know, you know, if you're going to be promoting your business, do what you like or what you like more. I have a podcast, but I have not been consistent with creating episodes. I think I'm close to 300 now, but it's been a while since I've had a steady stream of new episodes because it's it's work setting up interviews and, and doing everything. And I, I enjoy it, but don't enjoy it. As much as I do TikTok, I enjoy creating TikTok because of the challenge of trying new things on TikTok, so whether it's a meme, getting captions to show up great, uh, do different uh, perspectives. To me, that's more fun than my podcast right now. Therefore, I'm spending more time there because for what I'm doing, I'm, I'm informing people. So I don't really have to worry about converting as much as, say, somebody that has an online store or something. But make sure you like what you're doing. In other words, don't create content for, for LinkedIn if you're an e-commerce brand. You probably don't need to because people are not buying stuff from LinkedIn. Well, people are trying to sell on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> Definitely consulting and services and stuff like that. But really, if, if you have an online store, eBay, whatever it is, Shopify, you need to be on like YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Those are probably the three biggest that you would need to be on as a brand. And and Hopefully you can learn to like, maybe it's making product videos or doing interviews, whatever it is, or doing cartoon animations. 
Just make sure you like what you do. Don't do things you do not like because you think it's going to be successful. But if something is wildly successful, but you don't like doing it as much, you can outsource it. I think the most important thing is not to let perfection get in the way of good, particularly on social media channels um, like TikTok. I always struggle to uh, adopt new channels, but then I, I look and see what people are doing on it. And it is remarkably simple. Just be conscious of getting stuff out there and it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, if we were hoping this podcast would be perfect, it will never, ever be processed. There'll be lots of arms, there'll be lots of R's, there'll be dodgy little edits there. You know, the intro music might not fade out exactly how I want it to fade out, but hopefully the message that we're talking about, you know, resonates with some people and, and, and is useful to them. Yeah, there's something to say about authenticity, whether it's talking to people or in marketing. If you're authentic and transparent, I think that goes a long way. It's more about people. People buy of people they trust. I say this far too much. People buy of people they trust. People are inspired to buy of people they identify with. And that's what you need to do in your social media marketing, your content marketing, um, and, and, and your email marketing. And I think a lot of people, it's the fear of doing it that puts them off, but there's nothing to fear other than fear itself, because none of those bad things will happen. If you speak in software, you know, there's always beta, then there's version 1.0, 2.0. It's the same thing with content. I look at stuff I created eight, 10 years ago and I cringe, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, I was so, you know, my face was fat, the, the, the video's grainy, the audio's horrible. Why was I talking like that? But you get better and better. If you get started now, you'll get better faster, right? Instead of starting a year from now, then you still have to improve. Start now improve and most importantly innovate i remember reading something that gary vaynerchuk wrote um he was yeah, a big advocate of yeah, youtube videos with his uh, with his wine business and he said nobody saw his first hundred videos he made a video religiously every single day about the products his, his wine business sold nobody ever saw them but as he was producing those videos he got better so um and I think that's the, the great thing about the social channels and um, and YouTube and that kind of thing. Nobody's expecting documentary quality content. They just want useful, informative content that makes their makes their days better. That's what's changed when YouTube came out. It allowed anybody with a handheld camera at the time, and then now you know a smartphone, they can create content, and the quality to some aspect does not matter. Um, yeah, sure, you need to be able to see it and quality uh, audio is good, but you don't have to have a big production value. You don't have to use $10,000 cameras and have, you know, your, your, your content edited by a Hollywood <laughs> producer and stuff like that. You just need to get your point across and be valuable, hopefully like this episode. I mean, I often see overproduced content on, on YouTube and I think it lacks the authenticity completely because it becomes it becomes branded content it basically becomes an advert and i don't think that's what content marketing is about it's about building those relationships building that trust hey we've talked about a lot today um how can mm -hmm. people get in touch with you uh sure then go to my website hankhoffmeyer.com uh, i also encourage you to visit moz.com for your seo needs icontact.com for your email marketing needs um, if you want to learn about eye contact, you can either contact me, contact our sales team. But uh, if you're looking to get started in email marketing, 
Um, eye contact is a great way to start, or if you want to move from another provider, we can definitely find out if we can meet your needs or solve a problem for you. And yeah, I love to produce content, connect with people, and just make everybody a better marketer in the world. Perfect. Well, thank you very much um, for joining us today, Hank. Uh, my name is John Hayes. You've been listening to the Fruition podcast. Um, we help small and medium-sized businesses optimize their experience on eBay, Amazon, and their own e-commerce stores. For more information, check us out on fruition.com. You're listening to the Fruition podcast, the home of eBay, Amazon, and e-commerce design and optimization. For more information, visit fruition.com.